0: This episode is brought to you in part by Dr. Tony Evans, author of Kingdom Kindness. Learn how to become a countercultural force by reflecting God's kindness. Find this and other uplifting resources on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. You'll do it right to grow the best garden you can. Lowe's does it right too with savings on Miracle Grow potting mix with fertilizer to help you get growing and grow plants twice as big versus unfed plants. Pick up a 50 quart bag now for just ten dollars. Plus, get Bonnie 2.32 quart vegetables and herbs three for ten dollars for a garden that's worthy of showing off. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through six five while supplies last. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii I'm in the ways of runaway slaves, I'm brave, I'm unchained, I'm Frederick Douglass with a fade. Oh, yeah. I and left no
3: ransom. This is the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney, uh, brought to you by the ANN Campaign and 4th District. Justin, uh, after uh, a hectic week for the ANN Campaign, a busy week for the country, and the midterm elections are still ongoing, uh, how are you feeling about things?
2: I'm feeling feeling pretty good. I'm still trying to catch up on sleep, but we had a lot of fun. I know both of us were doing interviews between the Christian Broadcast Network and everybody here and there. But it was it was a fun week, very busy week. So, uh, you know, we were a little tired. We had what well, we have two events uh, last week, but it seemed like we got some good information out there to the people. And that's what we're here for.
3: Yeah. And uh, folks, just uh, many of y'all will have. Inf- uh, heard and seen but last week the and campaign launched the crux and the call which is our new digital resource that'll uh, help Christians think and act Christianly when it comes to politics provides political news and analysis provides policy bit breakdowns faith leaders talking through issues uh Every day, every weekday, there are essential reads of the week. So go to thecruxinthecall.com. It's now live. You could check it out for yourself. We'd love to hear feedback. This thing is going to grow as we grow and as we grow as a community. And we're we're really excited to see what it looks like moving forward. You'll also be able to check out on there uh, the footage from our midterm uh, recap and look ahead uh, that we held last week in Atlanta with. Well justin some really amazing uh speakers and leaders were on that panel. I mean I just enjoyed uh I just enjoyed listening to uh the various opinions and and uh I thought there were some great voices there
2: oh yeah from jay williams to uh Deshika, those were some top-notch uh political strategists up there a lot of times when we're on social media and here and there everybody is an expert one of the things that one of my mentors told me is that uh the thing about politics is everybody believes they're an expert after watching a couple shows but we truly had some serious political experts with a lot of experience up there and all of them were Christians. so not all of yeah. them were, were republican or democrat it was a mixed mixed group uh but but folks from different sides who really came together and saw eye to eye on a lot of things which tells me that it's possible but that was really fun i think everybody enjoyed it and from the feedback that we received uh people thought it was informative yeah uh, just i'm interested to hear sort of
3: how well we have some other issues we're going to discuss but interested to hear how you've been processing the midterms just over the last week we we know that there are some races that are still ongoing uh As of this recording, uh, Florida is in the middle of a recount that uh, the, the the deadline, which could change, is supposed to be Thursday, I believe, for the recount in Florida to be over to decide the outcome of both the governor's, mm-hmm. uh, the the senator's race, and then I believe also some cabinet races. The agricultural uh, the agriculture commissioner race is really tight in Florida, and then uh, Georgia's ongoing, and hopefully you'll you'll give folks an update there. But then we also just had decided uh, Kristen Cinema uh, beat Martha McSally in the Arizona race to fill John McCain's seat, uh, in, in the Senate. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a significant win for Democrats. That, that's a seat that was in Republican hands for the last 24 years. Uh, I, I think, uh, it also, uh, suggests maybe a A solidification though of course the race was close but solidification of democratic prominence in the southwest uh which which is something that folks have had an eye on for a while and so it's significant to see that arizona race come to conclusion but uh do you have any any updated reflections on the midterms and then yeah if you could just update folks on what's what's the story in georgia
2: Yeah. So generally, as we know and we predicted, the uh, Republicans uh, kept the Senate and actually added a few seats in the Senate. Um, Outside of the Senate, though, you saw a lot of Democrat gains. And so Democrats are, I think, about at 35, something like that, additional seats in the uh, House. Um, They got some governorships uh, and also uh, I know they flipped some uh, state houses. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot going on there, I think there's somewhat of a wave but it's not exactly the wave that people were looking for we always want to put things in historical context as i've said before i think uh uh franklin roosevelt lost 70 something seats uh in in the house at, at one time and obama lost 60 something seats in the house uh, so this is somewhat expected usually after a president's uh, uh um uh, halfway through their first term, you're gonna see some. Ch- you're gonna see some changes. That's just how the America uh, American voters seem to work over time. So you you expected some changes. It wasn't as big as it could have been. But I I wouldn't be too disappointed if I uh, as a Democrat, there was a lot going on there. As you mentioned, uh, they are still counting votes in Georgia and Florida as far as uh, uh, Georgia goes, our gubernatorial race. Uh, Really, you have uh, the Democrat Stacey Abrams still hoping as they count votes that she can get it close enough to either get a recount or what she even like more is a runoff so if it's close enough in georgia um if it's close enough there will be a runoff meaning that they would run for another month and then we would have to go back and vote in december obviously that would give uh stacy abrams another bite at the apple to try to get her people out and get her over that hump we'll see what happens i'm not sure the math works out for that um I, my guess would be kemp ends up Being the governor and it was just a tough, polarized uh, race. And we'll just have to see what happens as soon as this uh, this count is over. But that was an interesting one. And then we go down to Florida and that gubernatorial race where Gillum actually had conceded at one point. uh, And now it's kind of because it got so close. He's kind of back in it. Uh, because a concession is nothing legal That's just kind of saying I'm not I'm not Going to move forward so he can still if, if something happens with that count he can still get in there Same thing is happening with their, their uh, The race in Senate which is even a little Closer and so you got to keep Your eye on Florida I'm not sure That there's enough votes to turn it all around But you never know until it's over We know that Florida has a history Of these kind of issues it was interesting Because I was uh, the night of I was Talking about how well Florida's votes came in I mean they came in in probably three hours earlier than Georgia's did, even though the, the vote stopped at the same time. Mm. And now we're back at the same place that we've been in in years before. So I would just keep my eyes out. I don't know that anything's going to change based on what was called from last Tuesday, but you never know. And that's why we go through the process. I agree that every vote should be counted. Uh, all Anyone involved in these situations should be making sure that's the case and that everybody is playing fair because at this point, we want to make sure that Democracy isn't compromised. Yeah. Uh, whatever happens in Georgia, I think uh, I, I although I think there was some very tough conversations I, I've said before, I thought Kemp should have probably stepped down from secretary of state just to avoid any uh, pre- perceived issues with with the vote. He didn't do that. But I think it would be a little far-fetched to say this was stolen. Uh, I, I think we need to be respectful of what's going on. To say it was stolen is probably a bit too much. So let's just watch and see what's going on. Yeah, I think those are uh, good words, good suggestion.
3: All right, well, let's uh, let's take a break. We're going to get back to a bit more election-related news, but also some other uh, news when we get back. This is the Church Politics Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Church Politics Podcast. And, uh, Justin, uh, one uh, runoff election that we're going to see, uh, uh, aside from the potential runoff in Georgia, we know we're going to see a runoff in Mississippi, where uh, Democrat Mike Espy got enough votes to uh, justify things moving forward to a runoff between him and the leading Republican, Carol uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith, and... Uh, and uh so that race is going to be a big topic of discussion it became a real big topic of discussion over the last few days when uh, over the weekend a video posted of Re- uh, Repu- republican senator uh Cindy Hyde Smith who was uh who was shown uh, complimenting a supporter by saying if he invited me to a public hanging i'd be on the front row now uh Cindy Hyde-Smith is running for Senate uh, in a state that has uh, the highest uh, African-American population of any state uh, in the country. She's running against an African-American challenger, Mike Espy, who's a former congressman and a U.S. agriculture secretary. And, uh, And obviously this sort of colloquial... Compliment, which is what she's she she's calling it, an exaggerated expression of regard. Uh, obviously, uh, to say the least, rubbed some people the wrong way and struck people as an offensive uh, use of phrase uh, to use in twenty eighteen to use in Mississippi to use at all at any time. Uh, it is. You know, interesting that this comes out. Uh, she made the comment on November second. Comes out as we head into a contentious uh, runoff. Uh, w- w- Justin, what w- what was your response to seeing this this story play out? And I'm especially interested, you know, in in the in the candidates' sort of follow up. Her response to the reaction, which was almost like a, uh, you know, how dare you find offense at what is a innocuous phrase
2: yeah it it was upsetting um just to hear it come out initially and then to somewhat not completely defend it but certainly not apologize for it in the way that she should have was uh was certainly disappointing um and let's add some historical context to this though as, as we like to do on this show um according to the NAACP from 1882 to 1968, almost 5,000 lynchings occurred in the U.S. These are just the ones that were were, were, were reported. Uh, yes, people were still getting hung in 1968, which is just 13 years uh, before I was born. Yeah. Mississippi, out of those 5,000, had the most lynchings during that period with almost 600. Yep. Yeah. Um, as many of you who know your history, and if you don't, you need to look it up. On August 28th, 1955, 14-year-old Emmett Till was murdered in Money, Mississippi. Yep. On June twelfth, nineteen sixty-three, civil rights leader Medgar Evers was shot and killed in Jackson, Mississippi. Yep. Uh, Mississippi has a long, ugly history of lynchings. Murders and all kinds of terrorism against its black residents. Uh, Hyde Smith is running against Mike Espy, as you heard earlier, who was a black man um, in this race for for Senate. And she should have known better um, than to make a statement like that. And if she didn't know better by chance, uh, then she isn't fit for office. Uh, that statement is. Is inexcusable in this type of race, especially given where we are in this country right now, where we have all kinds of dog whistles going around, where we have all kinds of tension. Um, I'm not one to hold people responsible for every slip of tongue, but it's hard for me to believe with what's going on that this wasn't just a little more than that And and to come back. Without a full throated apology for that, for any type of misunderstanding, for that, that you would say something that could even be misconstrued as something like that is, again, it's concerning, it's regrettable. And and I think this provides, once again, the perfect opportunity for some of our Republican brothers and sisters, especially Mississippi Republicans, to demonstrate that decency is more important than winning right now and to renounce those statements and what she did. Uh, This is yet another major embarrassment and it needs to be handled properly. Uh, It's not time to equivocate. It's not time to put forth half hearted apologies with no action behind them. And until the GOP can consistently handle these issues with integrity, you kind of see why that black people vote Democrat nine to one. It's not because we are necessarily in love with the Democratic Party. But it's issues like this that need to be handled. And I know there are people out there on the other side of the aisle that know better and that are willing to say something. But they need to be the majority. They need to be separating themselves and distinguishing themselves on issues like this when necessary. Yeah. Uh, And until people can do that, it's it's problematic. You had, in this instance, a pro-life group that was announcing their endorsement of her today. And... If I was their advisor, I would say, hey, let's hold up on that. Let her take care of this business before we endorse her
3: instead of providing political cover to help her move on. from,
2: Instead of providing political cover, if you really care about that issue, why would you allow that issue that you're champion championing? to be used to give her cover that's right for this terrible we'll just call it a mistake we we, you know it's debatable but allow your issue to be caught up in that that's a problem Uh
0: and that's what people
2: are talking about and that's why you get so much pushback and that's why you get people in certain communities that that don't necessarily team up with you on that yeah this cannot Happen, And when it does it, people need to say something. There is a model for how to take a stance on these issues. There is a Republican who genuinely separates himself from this kind of mass badness. And I think John Kasich consistently is clear and, and, and straightforward and concise when he's separating himself from these issues. I think that's a great model. Yeah. Um And it just has to happen. Uh, because this is unacceptable, and somebody needs to make it clear on a national state local level that it has to end now,
3: yeah, it's uh you know just I was just r- reminded you know of the work of Brian Stevenson and uh just this resurgence of work to shine a light just on the clear history here uh I had the opportunity to be in Germany, uh, well, several times over the last few years, Uh, and you're just struck by the fact that, like, there was a there was a national reckoning that that took place. Uh, The uh, uh, the Germans had a moment, and, and have built monuments to make sure. And if you if you visit Berlin, you just you you can't. Ignore the history of the Holocaust. It's just there. They forced themselves to look at it. Uh, And uh, yes, there are. I mean, just recently, there are younger sort of there's a rise of like neo-Nazi stuff in Germany of younger people who didn't live live through that. uh, And that's a cause for concern in Germany. But these kind of the idea that. Uh, you could be a German politician and make a Holocaust joke and then joke that, oh, it was just a a, a, a term of regard, uh, just wouldn't fly because there's such a unanimous sort of understanding of what the history is. And we just haven't – Mississippi hasn't had that as, as, a, as a state. We haven't had that as a country. And so, you know, we see these evasive sort of uh, – uh, you know, the sort of pussyfooting that takes place of, of uh, oh, I just had no idea how how dare you suggest that this could have had a negative connotation. Uh, and that's just not acceptable.
2: Yeah, something needs to happen now. And um, it, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't like seeing any of this stuff, right. um, whether it gives like somebody a political advantage right. or not, this just shouldn't happen. Yeah. And if you're anywhere near it, you should call it out.
3: Well, it, and I mean, You know, we'll see how Mike Espy does. But just so folks understand, you know, this is going to a runoff because there was another – republican who ran the race who garnered like 15 20 percent of the vote the expectation here and again anything is possible uh there's going to be a lot of attention on this race because it, you know it'll be one of the only if not the only election taking place at this time so uh you're going to see national money and volunteers you know go into this but but the general expectation is that the Hyde Smith is going to win. And so uh, uh, and possibly, you know, running, running away with this thing that, uh, you know, Espy m- m- might have reached his or close to his ceiling with the Democratic vote he got. And we would we would expect most of the Republican vote. uh would generally go to Hyde Smith to to carry her over fifty percent. And so like part part of the sad thing of this is is this is now gonna be a month long conversation it's going to be the election results are going to be framed as you know a referendum on the state of race in Mississippi, and the outcome is almost a foregone conclusion. And so you you almost see the writing on the wall of uh, there's going to be a huge huge national debate and statewide debate about sort of uh, the 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 place of of racism at Mississippi, and, and the the outcome is not going to be uh, favorable with how that debate is teed up, and so. Uh, I, I don't think this race is going to be um, a, a, a real sign of sign of uh, uh, hope over the next month, but but maybe we'll see. Espy's a good candidate. We'll see. Maybe Hyde Smith has some sort of some sort of reckoning and is able to to sit down, and really reflect on what's happening, and get a little bit out of campaign mode. Uh, but you know, certainly, you know, this is uh, put put the
2: race. Uh, this is going to bring some additional attention to this uh, to this election yeah and the sad thing is you know there's probably and and i don't know if she had any intention of apologizing to begin with but there's probably strategists telling her no do not apologize don't give any you know don't give in at all because and, and it does it would be hurtful probably to the campaign but that's not the point this is a matter of principle and sometimes as a candidate or whoever's behind her you need to say i made a mistake i have to own up to it uh i don't expect that to happen but that's yeah. what should happen. Yeah.
3: yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh. We'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on this race and see see uh, what kind of uh, uh, when polling comes out. That's for the runoff. See how things look there, and we'll we'll keep you posted. Uh, this is the Church Politics Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Church Politics podcast, and Justin Tucker Carlson was in the news uh, last week. Uh, police were called to his DC home after a group of protesters showed up at his uh, at his home, shouted threats. The reporting has been a bit sort of mixed on this, and and exactly what happened went. Is not exactly clear, but what seems to be clear to me is that his, you know, his family felt like they were in danger. Uh, there were some allegations that the protesters had even approached and cracked open the door of the house, and and from what I've read, I'm not entirely clear on whether that that happened, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was a pretty uh, uh, aggressive a show of force. Now the group behind this is smash racism, DC, which calls itself anti-fascist. Uh, the, the, it's the same group that was, uh, that chased Ted Cruz out of that restaurant, uh, as well as the Homeland security, uh, uh, secretary for Homeland security, uh, Kirsten Nielsen. Uh, and so they've been pretty active at confronting conservative policymakers and voices, uh, and this Carlson incident was pretty roundly criticized by even progressive-leaning journalists and and figures, saying that you know this is a line you don't cross. You don't go to a, a to a to to someone's home. But then Justin and we were talking about this. You also saw some people de- defending it, saying you know for all the bad policies that Tucker Carlson promotes. Uh, I'll I'll just – Matt Iglesias had a few tweets that said, you know, for all the bad policies that Tucker Carlson – and I'm paraphrasing here – all the bad policies Tucker Carlson promotes, I, I, I can't find much empathy for – uh, Carlson and his family and I, and I don't see I don't see what there is to empathize with uh and, and so just you know this is a conversation we have on this show pretty regularly about the kind of tactics that are acceptable in politics and, and what should be lauded and what's courageous and what is not uh uh I, do you do you think that uh it is time for a more confrontational approach with not just republican politicians but with uh with with figures like Tucker Carlson
2: uh, absolutely not and and I, and the first thing that needs to be addressed in this regard is uh my understanding is that Smash Racism DC is affiliated with Antifa which is this this uh, left wing group of activists who have basically said, hey, we're going to fight with violence. We're not afraid to be violent. And there are too many groups on the left, too many commentators on the left um, and others and politicians on the left who have not outright said that they are bad news. Because these groups are bad news The only way that they look halfway decent Is when you compare them to White supremacists or something But that they can't hide behind that for long They are bad news within themselves As long as they're going to go around And break stuff And run up on people's houses And run up on people They're going to get somebody hurt yep. And so for all the people where it'd be, I think what Matty Glace said was awful The idea that well, he promotes policies that put fear in the hearts of other people. So maybe they were I mean, I don't agree with them, but maybe they were just trying to show him the fear that he puts in other people. Really? Huh. I mean, that's support. Right. Don't don't try to, you know, don't try to ha- play both sides right. and play the fence. That's support of what they're doing. And that's why they keep doing it, because if, if if most of the people on the left said this is unacceptable, clearly unacceptable, this group is clearly unacceptable, then it wouldn't happen. Right. But not enough people on the left are saying that. And so they're going to continue to do that because behind the scenes, whether they're whether folks are courageous enough to say it or not. Some of these folks think that this is what's necessary. Right. Some of these folks think that in order to win, you have to hate your enemy and you're going to have to beat them up. Yeah. And we've we've heard Democrat candidates and Democrat politicians say that. So when you tell somebody to get in somebody's face and run up on them, what do you expect this is what you should should expect yeah and so it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone but it shows you the irresponsibility that's going on uh on and it's happening on both sides but it is but it needs to be addressed and you can't play uh the fence on issues like this so we know that they went up to his home apparently they made a tweet so fox news got into a, had a little bit of an issue with twitter because these folks tweeted out something and it wasn't removed quickly enough and it actually had tucker carlson's address on it so the message that they sent was tucker carlson we will fight we know where you sleep at night uh every night you spread fear into our homes fear of of the other fear of us fear of them each night you tell us we are not safe tonight you're reminded that we have a voice tonight. We remind you that you are not safe either. <laughs> and this was posted on Twitter with his address. Right. Uh, so his apparently when they came up there, they were, you know, uh, spewing obscenities, all this other stuff. His wife had to hide in a closet or something crazy. Uh, and then come to find out a few mo- a month or so earlier, uh, his daughter, he was in a, a restaurant with his daughter she goes to the restroom. Somebody comes up to her and asks her, is she, Is was she sitting with him? She said, yes, that's my father. He calls her a whore. And another word, which we won't say on this program, she comes back crying, you know, him and his son get into a, an issue with the guy back and forth. So another instance of getting in people's faces and saying something ridiculous. Um, and then the guy who supposedly did this goes and gets Michael Avenatti as his attorney, <laughs> Now, let me just say, if you want anybody to take you serious at this time, get a different attorney.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. Like this this is not helping the situation. (laughs) Go ahead.
3: There are a lot of options to choose from. There are a lot of different attorneys out there. You you know, like (laughs) Avenatti is. uh, Yeah. He's just like the one who uh, your case might not be taking as seriously.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you just want to get some mess started and you don't really want to have it seen on the merits, then that's what you do. Um, And he loves to be in the middle of all of this. That's somebody else that I think Democrats are going to have to distance themselves from because he's just in, in a bunch of mess. Um, But I think we need to think twice. Again, we have politicians and others saying to get in people's faces, all this other stuff that we need to incivility. This is what that looks like. And if it continues, people are going to get hurt. Uh, and Christians, we need to think twice about supporting, retweeting any of this madness, because my question to you is what was accomplished here? They probably made Carlson. They, they probably made him even more popular. Do we have do we do we really think it will make him less likely to say what he was saying before? This is counterproductive. It riles people up, but it's not a sound strategy. It's really just a temper tantrum. So what are we what are we really trying to get at right now? What are we trying to accomplish here? Because I don't think that they accomplish much at all. Uh, I don't think he's going to change what he's saying. I don't think that he's going to be any less popular because you tried to scare his family. Huh. It probably emboldens people and him and others around him. So we just need to think twice about that. I do not like the direction this is going in, but I'll tell you something: if folks do not very clearly denounce this type of behavior, then it's going to continue.
1: Yeah, uh,
3: I mean, Justin uh, Tucker Carlson's um his television show every day, picking out some crazy. I, you know some some crazy example of you know left wing activists doing this. I one time I was on a show, and, and uh, the segment leading into mine was uh, protesters breaking up some cops' wedding, and he said, "This is what the left represents. <laughs> you know they they don't want cops. They want to ruin cops. You know uh, most of, you know most important day, and you know like this is his wheelhouse, and so to." To to actually go to his home and lend credence to the fear mongering that he puts up, i like. I mean, you're exactly right. Like, I don't, I don't get why why people think that this is a winning strategy. And like, let let's be honest here. Like, the 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 people who are doing this are not uh, Justin. Uh, they're, they're college students they're, they're like they're, they're these are these are not this isn't uh playing uh respectability politics these are these are privileged people who have the opportunity to they see a tweet and they they have the time and the the freedom to show up at Tucker Carlson's house in you know, uh, and, and spend hours accosting him and his family that that, that's not, that's not telling folks who are, uh, under the wheel to act more responsibly. This is telling some college kids to, uh, that this isn't the way you do politics, uh, that, that this isn't, uh, this isn't effective. And even if it was effective, you know, so I'd, I'd add to your question of what are you trying to accomplish to is this the way you want to accomplish it? Don't you understand that this is anything that you accomplish through these kinds of tactics is built on sinking sand.
2: Uh, exactly. and, and so and I'd be looking I'd be looking for all the 2020 hopefuls right on the Democrat side to denounce this. Yeah. And they need to be called to denounce this. And this will show the difference between the crop of folks we have coming in now if they don't do it. And Obama. Right. Everybody's going to do their best Obama impression. Well, are you going to step up and say what's right or what's wrong? Or do you are you going to be afraid that that's going to hurt you in the primary? That's right. I think that's one of the first things that needs to happen. This cannot go on. Civility is a must in these situations.
3: All right. We're going to take our last break. When we get back, we're going to talk about uh, Trump's uh, trip to France and uh, the world community gathering to commemorate World War One. This is the Church Politics Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Church Politics Podcast. Uh, Justin, we saw uh, uh, earlier this week on Sunday, uh, dozens of leaders from around the globe gathered for another one of these moments of uh, both trying to, uh, you know, it's hard to tell whether it's uh, you know, a rally or you know, uh, a funeral uh, for sort of uh, the old order of things. Uh, but uh, dozens of leaders gathered uh, down the Champs de uh for a ceremony honoring the uh, the uh, hundred years since the end of World War One, uh, and uh, several of the leaders, probably most prominently. Uh, Emmanuel Macron from France delivered a pretty direct message with President Trump in the audience. Uh, well, not in the audience, on, on the stand with the leaders uh, against nationalism, uh, a, a, a message that uh, and I don't have it in front of me right right now, Justin, but Macron tweeted out a bit of his speech in French and then he he actually retweeted it out with the English translation, which, you know, gives, gives me the impression. Uh, now it's, it's not unusual. He does speak English, it, but it seemed to me, he, he wanted to make sure that, uh, an American audience could hear what he had to say as well. So it, it just, we, we've been sort of marking these moments, the UN general assembly, uh, uh, the G20, uh, this was another one of those moments where, uh, President Trump was uh, confronted with sort of the international, you know, post UN, post World War II democratic order, and, and getting some pretty significant rebuffs from what are traditionally American allies.
2: Yeah, that's true, and this is one of those issues that's 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 pretty interesting when you talk about nationalism because it's it's a conversation that. Obviously, Trump has some support here uh, in in that regard from folks on the right. But then if you look closely, there's also some support on the left to say, I'm not completely slow, sold on all this globalism stuff. Right. Um, and so I don't know how much a Frenchman saying something like that really uh, is going to make people change their minds here in America. Maybe it should. But 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 the strand of nationalism I think he's referring to. I, I really hope that Trump heard that. Uh, Because Trump has been going around basically saying, hey, these European countries need to spend more time protecting themselves right. because we're just not here for that anymore and that's something that you don't just hear on the right again you hear that on the left somewhat too that we don't need to p- be the policemen we need right. to you know make sure that we're taking care of our workers and people at Absolutely. home so this is a this is a little bit different of a conversation of course it had uh you know it was 100 years like you said since the end of World War One. this is a war where 37 million people died one of the bloodiest wars in history and so it's definitely time to look look back and prevent anything that comes along with that. Now, of course, world war one was really complicated, right? Uh, sure. Absolutely. National nationalism had something to do with it, but there was a lot going on within that dynamic. And so, uh We need to look back and and figure out ways to make sure nothing like that ever happens again. That's just too many people uh, lost to to that war. And it just took so much out of so many different countries uh, that, you know, just devastation all around. And so, yeah, we definitely want to avoid that. Um, And and, and Macron said this. He said, look, um, he pointed to nationalism as the cause of the war and then said that the nationalist position is an old demon. That's coming back. Yep. Because you see in a lot of these European countries, it is making a comeback. We have to somewhat ask why it's making a comeback, though. Um, part of it is because some of these people see globalism, at least the way we've gone about it, to be failing. Right. Them. And that's my only issue with the way that Macron talks about globalism there's a lot of ways to go about globalism and so to just use these broad terms and and use them in a very sweeping way may not you know i i get it'll get uh his point across i guess but it may not be um it may not have been used in a way that's beneficial to actually solving some of those problems right uh because we can always look at people and say oh that's populist that's nationalist but what is it a reaction to is a reaction to, yes, globalism is good, but how are we going about it? Are we going about it in a way where there are too many people left behind? And in some of the these instances, not to say that there's not malice or anything else along with it, but in some of these instances, people are reacting to the failures of globalism and maybe we need to go about globalism in a different way in some of these instances. Just something to think about. I think sometimes leaders leaders generalize a little too much. This may have been one of those cases But I will take his point in regard to World War One. We need to make sure nothing like that happens again. And the type of nationalism being pushed by Trump is very dangerous. But when we get down to policy and how we're going to change, I think we need to be a little more uh, uh, particular about what we mean. Yeah, And, you know, I think it's a it's a warning to, to to not forget
3: that the institutions that like you said are rightfully criticized in in some ways now that they exist for a reason that they emerged out of a particular history to avoid a very serious set of mistakes and loss and tragedy and global turmoil uh and so it, it's it's uh, l- you know, I, I think there's a it was an important moment earlier this week to, to say, yes, there's a there's a big conversation going on right now about the the dangers of globalism and who's being left out. But let's not forget what we emerged from and, and what the what the 20th century taught us. Uh, and, and I think that's an important balance. I, I think we're. Um, uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Macron, I think, fashions himself as part of the next generation of leadership. But with uh, Angela Merkel uh, announcing that she will not run for another term, uh, there's going to be a, a vacuum. And, and I think you're you're right. Europe is going to need leaders who are able to uh, defend sort of. Uh, democratic institutions and defend the order where it, where it needs defending while also not uh, uh, being sort of guardians of the status quo, especially where the status quo has been, as as you said, leaving uh, where
2: it's left people out. Yeah, that's right. So a, a much needed conversation. Um, I think uh, some sometimes folks need to be called out a little bit and to have that discussion in a, in a real way. I'm just not sure that <laughs> that was the messenger that or anybody's the right messenger to really change well, uh, what Trump right. is trying to do. So we'll yeah, see.
3: that's the thing. Like, you know, like all, all the. All the messengers who would send the message are disqualified by the fact that they're the type of people who would send that message, you know, like so it's go. uh yeah, I think that's right, and I don't think you know I don't think we're gonna see uh we're we're gonna see vladimir Putin making any big defenses of nato and uh <laughs> and, and democratic institutions anytime soon, but maybe maybe that would be someone someone that would would get a hearing uh all right, well, that is. All that we have for this week, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how how this recount in Florida uh, shapes up. It's already interesting to see 2020 – uh, talk already, uh, starting as, as we predicted and and as we've been suggesting for months on this podcast, you've already seen Sherrod Brown just in the last 24, 48 hours, uh, say that he's thinking about a race, uh, him and his his wife are talking about it. Uh, I think we're going to see much more of that in the coming days. Uh, so it's, uh, Like like we said, 2020 has already started, uh, and uh, it's time to start thinking about uh, how we're going to uh, help make sure the process is as constructive as possible, and that leads to the best options uh, for the country. Uh, Justin, do you have any final thoughts for folks?
2: Yeah, one thing, and this is a little, little bit off of the subject of what we've been talking about, but I just listened to the newest Jude three uh, podcast episode. Jude three is uh, run by Lisa Fields. Lisa Fields is on the Ann campaign's leadership council. And it was a conversation uh, that was where she asked the question, is God sexist? Where she dealt with a lot of the very tough scripture uh, in, that we deal with and that people Sometimes don't have the answer to or apologetic for, and provided that apologetic. So, if you have listened to Jude three, you already know how serious, how great of a podcast that is. Go listen to this latest episode. It'll answer a lot of questions and it'll deal with scripture that a lot of people tend to run from. But after listening to this, you'll know that you won't have to run from it. You can address it head on. So, check out the Jude three, uh, uh, the Jude three project when you get a chance. Excellent podcast by our sister Lisa Fee. Yeah,
3: we. Love- Love Lisa. We love Jude Three. Uh, also, shout out to the Pelican Project that launched last week. We're very excited about that over at the Ann Campaign as well. There's just a, a lot of great stuff going on Ann Campaign, uh, and I know Justin, you feel the same way. You know, we feel like we're a part of an emerging ecosystem of uh, faithful, culturally engaged uh, organizations that are are you know relatively new. Uh, but we're we're proud to be a part of this ecosystem, and, and proud to hopefully be a be a part of changing how some of the conversation uh, takes place when it comes to Christianity and culture and politics in this country. So shout out to all the folks that are doing the hard work necessary to. Uh, take back some of the some of the narrative and, and create rather than just critique that's right Uh-oh.
2: y'all take care church folks we will be back next week all right this is church
0: politics the church it's like can anything good come out of nazareth the only thing good came out of nazareth this is the groove tell me can yeah. you it? i'm schooled in the ways of runaway slaves i'm brave i'm unchained i'm frederick douglas with a fade oh, yeah. You'll do it right to grow the best garden you can. Lowe's does it right too with savings on Miracle Grow Potting mixed with fertilizer to help you get growing. And grow plants twice as big versus unfed plants. Pick up a 50 quart bag now for just $10. Plus, get Bonnie 2.32 quart vegetables and herbs three for $10. For a garden that's worthy of showing off, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 6 5 while supplies last US only, excludes Alaska and Hawaii.